Hey guys, if you hadn't heard, sports betting is now live in Massachusetts. We're passing along this awesome promo for new DraftKings customers. Deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport to get $200 added to your account in bonus bets. Guaranteed. Use our code BASTARDS at sign up to redeem. Using our promo code BASTARDS is a great way to support the pod. So if you don't yet have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with code BASTARDS and place that first bet. New customers only, 21 plus and physically present in Massachusetts. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-327-5050. Valid. One offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. Welcome, everyone. The Bastards are back for another spring training edition of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Tonight, we kind of have a fun format. We're going to be going over six bold predictions for the 2023 season. Uh, with me tonight, for the first time in quite some time, probably five or six weeks, I'm guessing, Charlie Smith, out of the Witness Protection Program. Yeah, I'm back. I'm finally back, and it's great to, uh, great, great to see you and, and uh, talk to both of you. So uh, really pumped to get back into it. It's good to have you. I'm sure uh, some of the people probably missed the sound of your voice, especially, you know, m- you know, with mine coming up every fourth day or whatever. But also <laughs> joining us tonight, perhaps the other busiest guy this uh, winter, Cody Paulson. Cody. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Uh, you know, it's great to, to be at this time of year, right? Uh, sun's out. We're starting to warm up a little bit. We're watching some meaningful baseball in the World Baseball Classic. Spring training's, you know, kind of winding down a bit. We're starting to see the real lineups be be thrown out there, at least for a few innings. So it's just exciting times. Happy to be here. Happy to be talking to you all. We're down to just days. We're just down to days. There's only one more Monday after this. That's not a day on the MLB calendar. So, uh, can't wait for it. Need it. Long winter, and uh, I'm just ready for the grind. I don't know if it's going to be a happy one or a frustrating one, but uh, I'm ready for it. And we love content creating. Another thing, too, I I'll, we'll start to, you know, just a reminder we do have a YouTube uh, channel now. Uh, Nick and I are basically on that exclusively. Uh, so extra content over there, shorter videos, all of them are 10 minutes or under. So, um, we covered typically just one major topic, uh, give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube. And we're also actually getting more active on Instagram as well. So, uh, find us there. All right. So we're going to go with, uh, we're going to go through our bold predictions. We, uh, all have two of them that we're going to give. So uh, go ahead, Cody. We're going to put you in the leadoff spot. What's your first bold prediction for 2023? My bold prediction for 2023 on the pitching side of things is I think Chris Dale gets through a full season healthy. I think he wins 15 plus games with a sub 3-5 ERA. Um, you know, this was a trade that when he came over from the White Sox, I was thrilled about, right? You know, top of the line ace starter. Um, he's obviously had some, we'll call it bad luck. You know, we'll try to, we'll try to keep it 
positive here. He's had some interesting injuries, um, but he's also had some bad luck, obviously, with the, the comebacker against the Yankees. Um, this guy's a grinder. You you can just tell in the way that he's interviewing, the way that he's talking, the spring training snippets that we get from him. He wants to be out there. He wants to be leading this team. He wants to do everything he can to, to help the organization win and to live up to that contract, right? This is a guy, uh, you know – for lack of better terms of modern day, Ted Williams, right? He shows up to the ballpark, he plays ball, he goes home and he fishes, right? And he wants to hang out with his family and and he's a straight shooter from, from all that I can tell. Um, you know, all of his peripherals look good in the spring training. Um, you know, I think they're doing the right moves, trying to take the pressure off of him. They gave Kluber the opening day start. Because um, really what we need from Sale is just, just innings, starts, pitches, you know, keep us in games. We don't need him to be that guy that has to, you know, be – the loss stopper, you know, needs him to throw eight shutout innings so that we can win a 1-0 game. We just need this guy to be on on the field, in the rotation, lengthen uh, the starting rotation so that, you know, we don't have to pull up, you know, the 4A guys that we have, have in the organization. So my bold prediction for for the 2023 season is, is a pretty good season out of Chris Sale, and I think one that we would all uh, welcome to see. Charlie, thoughts on Chris Sale? I mean, how do you how do you top something so amazing to hear? I mean, everybody knows that I have a special affinity and special love for Chris Sale. Uh, you know, Cody just mentioned that he's a, a grinder. I wish he was not grinding bike gears because it seems to be an issue for him. I love Chris Sale. I'd love to see him throw, you know, get 15, 16 wins. I just don't know if he's going to have the firepower as far as the offense is concerned in order to get 15. I love the idea, the take that he could play the whole season. I'm hope I'm hoping that he can give us at minimum 25 starts this year and win a minimum of 10 to 12 games. If we can provide three to four runs of offense, 10 wins minimum, it, that's the, the bottom line. But this is somebody who won in 2018. He won 12 games and since then has not won more. I think he's won 11 total. 2020 didn't play. Didn't win any games last year. He's at a six and a five in the last, in the last three years. So um, he's due for a bounce back. He's absolutely due. Uh, it's going to kill him to not be a starting day, opening day pitcher. Um, and I, he said multiple times, like he wants to earn the contract that he signed with the Boston Red Sox. What better way to do that than getting off on the right foot and just dominating this year? And totally owning that contract so i I love it i I hope i hope that you can speak that into fruition cody i I really do i'm skeptical and no shock there um two things are going to have to happen for chris sale to to reach the the benchmarks cody was talking about and i think charlie makes a fair point 15 he might not have the run support but cody's 3.50 era can happen no matter what the offense does but two things need to happen. Number one, he needs to be luckier. And I mean, lucky in terms of injuries. He's had some weird ones. I think there's more than a 1% chance he gets hit by a bus. I would put that at more than 1%. Probably less than 2%, but more than 1%. Okay, not zero, in other words. So, like, that's just the weirdness and, you know, and how Chris Sale seems to get hurt. So he's going to have to be luckier in that regard, in order for him to reach those benchmarks, he's going to have to be smarter than he ever has been in his career. If you go back to, I think it was 28, no, it was 2017 
was the year he struck out 300 batters. He would go out there. He would be a man possessed. He wouldn't talk to his teammates all day. And that's not necessarily unique to him. I think Verlander's another guy. He doesn't like anyone talking to him. But Sale would be possessed, and he'd come off the inning. Uh, he'd come off the mound, excuse me, in the sixth or seventh inning. And John Farrell would give him a look like, you got more in the tank? You want to go out again? And Sale wouldn't even look at him. He'd just walk into the dugout, not look at John Farrell, go about his business that he would normally go about in between innings. That Chris Sale is long gone. Like So hopefully Chris Sale doesn't believe he's going to be that again. But And if suddenly he believes he can get to that level, you're going to see some injuries. You're going to see some injuries because he's not being smart. How how many times in the last couple of years has has Max Scherzer just kind of flamed out at the end of the season? So he's he's got to be smarter. I, I'm not going to. It's in everybody's best interest that Chris Sale gives you 25 starts or more. And uh, I'd love to see it. So. Charlie, go ahead. Your first bold prediction. Well, my first bold prediction is going to be surrounding a player that the Red Sox acquired and actually just completed that whole deal today by getting their second part of that package. The Red Sox really doubly won on this one. My hot take is that Adalberto Mondesi, when he returns from his injury, you know, coming back from from uh, you know what's supposed to be a, a typically long time. Um, I think that when he does come back, he is going to be a comeback player-esque candidate, and he will supplant our current shortstop, which will move him into a full-time role. I have real high aspirations for Mondesi. I cannot believe that Kansas City gave up on him because this is someone that has the wheels for days, can play the position, and I'd love to see him stay at short. And if not short, go over to second. Um, But to come back as as someone that we really not only needed, but completely did not expect to be as good as he is. Um, but Adalberto, Adalberto Mondesi will come back as a full-time shortstop, supplanting Kike Hernandez as our shortstop. Cody? I, for one, would love to see that. I mean, you know, when you when you think pie-in-the-sky projections, when you look at this team, if you can have a battery that does short second between Arroyo, Mondesi, and Story – you know, all of these guys are oft injured dudes. So to be able to spell them, to give them a day off here and there, to allow them to, you know, rest and recuperate and keep Kike in center, that's when the Red Sox are going to be humming. That's when we're going to be a formidable force. So, you know, if, if Monesty comes back to, to play at that level, which, you know, we've all seen him do, um, the guy's a five-tool player, you know, hits from both sides of the plate uh, when, when necessary. He's got speed, which is something, you know, we don't usually have in Boston, except for a guy or two here or there. I would love to see it. Um, you know, fingers crossed that, that all of these bold predictions end up happening because, you know, if if they do, I think the Red Sox are going to be in great shape. Terry, what are your thoughts? I am a far bigger skeptic of this bold prediction than I was of the last one with Chris Sale. Um, Mondesi, I'm pulling his numbers up right now, never played more than 102 games. Uh, the time he did was in... 2019 the most games he's ever played other than that 102 season was actually the year before 2018 75 games and the numbers drop off even steeper from there so there's a big time issue of health 
He's never been great. He's never really shown even the the flashes of the can't miss prospect he he was. I mean, there's not one MVP caliber season. Uh, he never made the All Star team in any of those seasons based on first half play. There's just I'm just a huge skeptic of this guy. And then you got to look at the dynamics of the team as well. Alex Cora loves Christian Arroyo. Is he going to take the bat out of his hands if he's healthy? And again, that that might be a stretch as well. But um, if Pedro, uh, excuse me, um, if Arroyo is healthy and productive, I just I don't see a ton of at bats. And uh, another domino that could fall, I guess, that could get Mondesi in the lineup is if a guy like Justin Turner, uh, Justin Turner, man, I'm just tripping over myself. Uh, Adam Duvall, excuse me. If Adam Duvall just has a similar year to last year, he's having a very good spring training, by the way, but uh, Duvall had very pedestrian numbers last year. If he were to lose his spot, that puts Kike in the outfield and then perhaps maybe some regular at-bats for Mondesi. But I just think a lot of dominoes have to fall for Mondesi to really be a big factor uh, with the Red Sox. But Cody? I think the nice thing is we don't we don't necessarily need him to be a big factor, right? Anything we get from him is going to be a plus or a bonus. I mean, we we gave up, I believe, Josh Taylor in that trade, and then we got a player to be named, which I believe is today. And pardon me for for having it escaping uh, escaping me at this moment. But anything we get from him is is a bonus, which I think is a great landing spot for him, right? Because you know, in in the Royals organization, he was that highly touted prospect. He was a guy that had to produce for them. So you know. To be able to spell him, I think, is is only going to help him, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I, tr- truth be told, anything you get, as, as Cody just mentioned, is going to be a bonus in itself. Uh, so the Red Sox completed the deal by getting, um, let me look him up, Angel Pierre. Uh, and when when I think of anybody with the last name Pierre, the only person that I think of is Juan Pierre, who was fast as hell. So um, even the name just sounds badass. I, I, I'm going to say this. I could be completely wrong, but I can't afford to be pessimistic on every single take that I have or every single take that we have. I've got to pick and choose which ones I want to burn to the ground and which ones I want to stand behind. And if I'm wrong, I will own it. I'm not going to delete my tweet over it. I'm going to be super pumped if at Alberto Mondesi lights up the Christmas tree in 2023, like statement of fact, if he does poorly, I will say, damn it. I was wrong. If he does right, everybody owes me a beer. Like it's, it's just one of those takes where I was super excited based on the upside of what he brought to Kansas city years ago. I know that he hasn't been healthy. Neither is Chris sale, but we're, we're thinking 25, 26 starts. He, he wins 12 to 14, maybe 15 starts. That's pretty damn good. If Alberto Mondesi can come out and hit five to eight home runs, 40 to 50 RBIs, and and get 20 stolen bases, I'm cool with that. Considering what we gave up, I'm totally good with that. And next year, build on that. He needed a fresh start. The Red Sox gave it to him. This is potentially us catching like lightning in a bottle. Like I, I really like this move. I really, really liked it. And I've, I've been saying that since day one when it happened. Super supportive of it. For what it's worth, and I can't find anything to really correlate with it to make it 
really a, a major factor in his past, but a reason he didn't have a ton of games in 2016 was a failed um, steroid test. But looking at 2015 in the minors, he hit 243, 279. That was the season before the failed test. And just really his minor league numbers just haven't looked super great either outside of, uh, well, he must have got demoted actually in 2017 because in a short sample size there, there's um, he did have decent numbers that year. But all right, let's uh, move on. Oh, here's mine. Okay. I think mine might be the spiciest so far. My bold prediction is that Alex Cora will be fired by the Boston Red Sox by July 1st. And again, this is just prefacing it. I'm the I'm the guy who picked 74 wins. So my expectations aren't high. There's a big precedent that was set in 2022. Lots of managers got fired in mid to late spring. Uh, some notable ones. Joe Madden. That one didn't matter. Angels didn't make the playoffs. Uh, Charlie Montoyo was fired at some point actually in July, replaced by the bench coach, John Snyder. Blue Jays went to the playoffs, ended up choking. Uh, I think that might have been against the Mariners. Don't quote me. But... The Blue Jays turned it around uh, when Schneider took over. And then the most notable example of the benefits of possibly firing a manager, Joe Girardi, fired by Dave Dombrowski of the Philadelphia Phillies for Rob Thompson. Rob Thompson got the Phillies all the way to Game 6 of the World Series. So there's a precedent for teams turning it around. Bloom is already on the hot seat. His seat is sizzling hot. He's probably standing up at this point. And most GMs, before they're ultimately fired, usually have the luxury of firing the manager and trying to get things going with someone new. It didn't happen in the Epstein era. He left with Francona following the 2011 season. Ben Sherrington was allowed to fire uh, Bobby Valentine. John Farrell comes in. They win the World Series. I'd like to think it was the veteran-laden team and not John Farrell. I'm a big Farrell hater. But then, uh, and then of course, Dave Dombrowski comes in, has Farrell for two seasons, actually three seasons, fires him in favor of Cora. Red Sox win the World Series. Here's another thing to consider. I've given this take. I don't remember if it was on the podcast. I've gone on I've gone on other shows. I've gone on Twitter spaces and uh, given this take, but something to consider. Would Sam Kennedy and John Henry rather fire Alex Cora themselves, or is it easier for them to have Hein Bloom do it? Something to consider. I think it's the latter. And I think it's more than justifiable. I mean, they haven't, I mean, Cora hasn't, <laughs> this is where the Bluminati gets so conflicted. If they love Alex Cora, you know, I can blame it on Hein Bloom. I can make the case that it's more Bloom's fault than Cora's fault because I'm not a card-carrying member of the Bluminati. The Bluminati can't, can't cop out to that. They have to, gun to their head, metaphorically, of course, they have to say it's it's Alex Cora's fault and not and not Bloom's. So I just think 
at the 11th hour with his own butt on the line, I think Bloom will possibly fire Cora. And I think it'll happen before uh, July 1st. Cody, thoughts on that? I have never been an Alex Cora fan. Uh, hand up. Um, you know, a lot of my opinions didn't didn't matter until I was, you know, fortunate enough to be a part of this platform. Um, I just, for whatever reason, he always seemed to rub me the wrong way. Uh, you know, he pushed all the right buttons in 2018. I've got to wear that. Um, but at the same time, you know, you had a team that won 108 games. You know, it's hard to push the wrong button when 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 you got a team like that. Um, I have never really been a fan of the, his leadership style, the way that he you know, comports himself with the media, with the team. Um, he leaves players out to dry a bunch. And I think, you know, uh, we've had a couple of difficult seasons and we're starting to hear some of the rumblings coming out of the clubhouse, right? You know, especially last year at, at the trade deadline when some guys were sent out. Some things uh, started to surface that we don't typically see out of a, out of a Red Sox locker room um, or a clubhouse for that matter. Um, if he were to be fired, um, you wouldn't see me shedding any tears about it. Unfortunately, I think that's going to be because we're at a bad part in the season. So he's, you know, going to be a casualty of that as opposed to, you know, finding um, uh, a new voice or a new face uh, for, for leadership for, for lack of better terms. I, I absolutely see where you're coming from though, Terry, in, in a sense of, Hey, if I can point the finger at somebody else and get them out of here to keep my own job, I think that is a very, very likely uh, scenario that Bloom would have to to resort to if the team does underperform at that point in time. Charlie. I definitely think it's going to be Bloom that cans him. If that's going to be the case, if that's going to be the situation, you're giving him less than half the season technically by way of your July 1st deadline, if I'm not mistaken, you're splitting it. You're calling it a game 80. So you're saying that, that bloom is going to tell Alex Cora to pack his bags when we haven't even played half the season. Technically, I think that it's going to, I think that it could happen. I think he's going to get fired. I just don't know if it's going to happen during the season. And at the very beginning, I was one of the people that did not want him to come back, did not want Alex Cora to come back after the whole scandal came out. Yes, I was super thankful that we won the World Series. I didn't want the the, the negative press that came with bringing his baggage um, back to Boston again. I just didn't want it. Is it possible? Yes. Where would we say Alex Cora's spot as manager as far as level of comfortability is right now with the rest of Red Sox Nation? Where do you think it is? Do you think that Red Sox fans are... 70% content with Cora, 60% content with Cora, 50% content with Cora. Cause I'm giving, I'd like to say that Red Sox nation is higher up on the chain with Alex Cora's level of, of approval than high and blooms. High and blooms. I'm going to guess is less than 40%, less than 35%. And I'm going to guess that Alex Cora's is probably 65, maybe 70%. And the reason for that being is, Alex Cora doesn't add the players to the team. Alex Cora picks who plays and who doesn't. Heim Bloom's in charge of building that roster. And we haven't really done the best job of that. We're doing great on shedding payroll. But we're not really doing a great job of putting a contending team on, on the field. So I, I think it would be, again, unfair to fire Alex Cora at, at game 80 when it's going to be out of his control for some of the things. Players getting injured players not being ready, not having the best players. So 
how, how much of it is actually going to be Alex Cora's fault and making him the scapegoat will only make, I think, more fans upset if it happens during the regular season. Unless we're somehow like 29 and 51 after 80 games, because then I could understand it. But if we're like 35 and 45, 32 and 46, 47, something like that, it's still ugly. It sucks. But is another manager really going to do better with what we have? That, that's just my two cents. So when you're talking about percentages of the fan base that are in favor of Cora, he certainly is the more popular of the two between him and Bloom. And I would say it's probably 55 to 60 percent, at least in favor of Cora right now. Now, if we're mid-May and we're not doing well, we're under 500. I think that it may still be 50 or 60 percent, but the ones in favor of him will be less infuriated that he's fired now that we're in the same boat again as you know we had been the last couple years let me also say this though if we're seven or eight games under in mid-may he could get fired then i'm i'm saying no later than july 1st i'm saying no later so um i I think madden and and girardi were like late may early june was when was when they got cut loose so yeah so Anyone who's, uh, you know, into gambling or thinking about it, uh, DraftKings has a hell of a promo. So check this out real quick. Cody, go ahead with your second uh, big, bold prediction. I thought this was going to be more of a bold prediction, but having, you know, a little bit more exposure to his game, I don't know if this is going to be as bold of a prediction on the high side. Uh, uh, um, sorry, on the back side. Uh, the second bold prediction that I got is Yoshida wins rookie of the year. Um, you know, loved his numbers in Japan, thought, you know, he did great, put the ball all over the field, got on base a bunch, drove in runs. We're seeing him in the World Baseball Classic, um, you know, neck and neck with Otani, right? He's batting 400 in the classic. He leads all players with 10 RBIs. He did the same thing in spring training. He just puts the bat on the ball. He puts pressure on the defense. He does everything that we need at the top of the lineup. I know that Cora said that we weren't going to have him lead off. And, you know, that is what it is. He's not a big, maybe he's not the biggest speed guy. They know way more about the metrics than I do. So who am I to say what they should or shouldn't do? Um, I think this guy is going to have a great season. We're looking at a 280 plus, give or take, average. I think, you know, we can see 100 RBIs, 20 home runs, and I think he runs away with with rookie of the year. And that's my second bold prediction. What are your guys' thoughts? Wow. Cody with like fire today, back to back bangers. Um, I love the take. I love, and I don't want to. I, I, I have to be so delicate with this because I, I do like the boldness. Um, 100 RBIs, I don't think is going to happen. Uh, I don't think he's going to have enough people on base in order to get 100 knocked in. And I don't know how right field is going to do for him. Le- at left, Fenway field. Park. left field for him. No, 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 no. Hitting home runs to right field is oh, what I'm saying. my bad. Sorry, I, I I'll go screw That's myself. Bad. 
bad. No, 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 no. Please don't do that. Um, I, I, I should say then I should screw myself because I was wrong. It was 83 games, not 80, 80 games. So that's my bad. So you're, you're back out of the doghouse. Um, I don't know how banging uh, home runs out at right field at Fenway is going to do for, for him. I really don't know. Um, although I do love the boldness. I think he will be a top three, top five easy shoo-in for rookie of the year in 2023. Um, 20 home runs though. That's That's another one that I'm like, Ugh, I don't. I don't. Maybe because he'll have the benefit of also hitting home runs at other parks. I think sixteen slash eighty is going to be something more along the lines of bottom line for what we hope. Because um, he hopefully he doesn't crash out at all. But I mean, I I do love the rookie of the year take. I think that's going to be pretty sweet, one way or the other. So I I think I'm going to put a cork in it right there and just seal it. T, what do you think? If that happens, that will be the most crow that I eat in 2023 because I hated that. I still don't like the signing. I just think 18 million is a massive gamble for a guy who has never faced MLB level, you know, opposition. And I think it's very possible that Adam Duvall could have a better year. I think it's very possible that. Uh, Alex Verdugo could have a better year and they're both making each a third of what Yoshida's making. So how goofy is that going to look now? If it happens, it happens. I'm not rooting against it because we have him for five years. We have him. So hopefully he's good because hopefully after 2023 bloom or bust, um, we're going to be competing for championships at that point. But let's just talk about the bar that we're setting real quick for uh, Rookie of the Year. 2021, the Rookie of the Year was Adolis Garcia with the Texas Rangers. Hit 250, batted 300, nothing super spectacular there, but 27 home runs, 101 ribbies. So that's what it took in, in 2021. 2022, AL Rookie of the Year was Julio Rodriguez. Hit 284 with a 345 on base. Very good numbers. You'll take that from any player on almost any type of contract. 27, uh, excuse me, 28 home runs, uh, 75 ribbies. So not a ton of offense around him in, um, you know, in Seattle compared to what uh, Garcia might have had in Texas. But that's where the bar is. So if Yoshida gets there and he's the 2023 AL Rookie of the Year, he he's going to have uh, you know an impressive slash line with uh, some other impressive categories. Charlie. So um, the 100 is especially unique because he's hit the 20 homer mark um, in a different league multiple times. No question. Hit over 300, 330, 340, 350. Again, a different league, not major league pitching. He's never had 100 RBIs in, in his career in a season. He's had 88, 89, 85, 86. So he's good for 80. So I like, I'm more along the lines of 1680 for somebody like that because the, the dimensions are going to be a little bit different. Yes, he can, yes, he can definitely hit it for power. I think he's going to prioritize getting on base over trying to bang it over the fence. Almost like Hideki, uh, Hideki uh, Matsui did when he wasn't like a huge home run hitter when he first came to the American League. His on base was, I think, pretty good. But didn't he have like 18 or 19 home runs with 100 RBIs in his first or second year with New York? I'm not looking at his numbers in front of me. I probably should pull it up. Um, Hideki Matsui. 
because I thought he had, he was more like that. And I could be completely wrong because it's been like 20 years since he did it. But yeah, his first year, 16 homers, 106, RB, 106 RBIs. He played every single game and batted 287. I think that's going to be more along the the, the player that we're going to get uh, all, all things you know pointing that direction. Hideki Matsui, when he came from Japan, was hitting 40, 50 home runs in those stadiums. So to go down to like 16 to 20, 16 is, for me, like the, the high bar. Um, we'd love to say that's the floor, but Terry just... Terry just mentioned some 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 people that won awards, and I think Rodriguez is going to be perennial talent. Like that guy's a star; he's incredible. And I do not believe that it would be a far cry to say that he has the the potential to win an MVP in his future. It's going to be hard because he's also playing in the same league as Shohei Otani, but he has the he has that pedigree, he has that caliber. He's a twenty twenty lock. He's probably going to be a thirty thirty lock maybe even more. Um, he's that good, but, um, yeah, that's, that, that's what I'll, I'll wrap up on. I mean, a couple of things to, to mention on that, right? We're, we're not expecting Yoshida to be the home run guy. I think he's going to be a doubles machine. I think he's going to hit to the gaps. I think he's going to play pepper with a green monster. Um, you know, Charlie, you made a great point by saying he might not get to 100 RBIs and that's not going to be his fault, right? He's going to put the ball in play, but if nobody's in front of him, you can't knock anybody in if they're not there. Um, and to what you're saying about uh, Julio Rodriguez, I think, you know, and that recent contract extension that I got, a lot of the attention to that contract was all of the incentives that he could get if he were to win, you know, an MVP or a World Series or a batting title or a home run title, because they do view him as that player, which, you know, it's an exciting place to have talent coast to coast. Real quick, just because it's notable. Uh, let me also say, and then I'll get to my next thing. Um, he could put up 80 plus. If he's batting two slots behind Devers, assuming Turner's going to be in between them, there's potential for a lot of runs to be driven in there, you know, especially if Devers is just hitting and not, you know, swinging for the fences for home runs all the time. If Devers is getting on base, um, then, you know, the potential could be there for Yoshida. Again, I'm still a skeptic, but here's another thing to consider. Here's the odds for uh, Las Vegas 2023 for AL Rookie of the Year. The number one, you know, the 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 odds-on favorite to win it is Gunnar Henderson, third baseman for the uh, Baltimore Orioles. The second person, uh, you know, odds-on to win it is also a member of the Orioles, but a starting pitcher, Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, Josh Jung, third with the Rangers. There's one member of the Boston Red Sox whose odds are better to win it than Masataki Yoshida. I mentioned him in the pre-show. Tristan Casas. It's very slight. He's plus 900. Yoshida's plus 950. So that's a, that's a possibility. I'm just saying. Um, but if if a Red Sox player gets rookie of the year, what does it matter? Who cares? As long as uh, as long as it happens. So. So those are the guys that Yoshida is going to be competing against. Royce Lewis is also on it, shortstop for the Twins. Hunter Brown, starting pitcher for the Astros, also in the top 10. And then at the very bottom of the top 10, Oscar Colas, outfielder for the Chicago White Sox at plus 1,500. So uh, there is that. Uh, let's see. We got two left. Uh, Charlie, your second bold prediction. So... 
this is going to be not just because I love rostering him on my fantasy baseball team. I think he's a lock for one of the best players at his position year in and year out. Uh, this is someone who gained a lot of, um, I think, awareness from people, whether they be huge baseball fans, huge Braves fans, huge Dodgers fans, huge Red Sox fans. But this is Kenley Jansen. And my, my bold take is that Kenley Jansen will finish in the top three for most saves in baseball. And this is why. I don't think Kenley Jansen is going to have many opportunities to come back-to-back games and close out games. I think when there's an opportunity for us to shut it down, Kenley's coming in there and he's going to get the job done. This is someone who has saved 88-plus percent of the games he has pitched in. The worst year that he ever had was the third year in the bigs when he had 25 saves and blew seven. A couple of years ago, he went 41 for 42 in save ops. The only person who had a better number than that, I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, is Eric Gagne, who didn't miss one that year. And he went, what was it, like 58 for 58, whatever year it was that he won the Cy Young. Kenley Jansen is someone that you can't hate. This is someone who has had medical issues and is someone who shares that heart issue uh, my heart, you know, no pun intended, does go out to Kenley Jansen. I want him to dominate. I know he's going to do great. For the first time in a really long time, we have a closer that we can count on. Like, we actually have a closer that's going to come out in the ninth inning, and we know it's going to be safe. It's going to be okay. In five games, one's probably going to be shaky, but if we throw him out ten times, only one's going to get lost. That's pretty damn good considering last year and the year before that and the year before that for the Red Sox, you were pretty much rolling the dice. It was one out of two chances were good, and the other one was going to be blown away. And if you had to do it out of four, you might get one save, two blown, and one to be exciting. That's how bad we were. And I'll, I'll, I'll say it first. This was a huge hole that we needed to fill, and I think Kenley Jensen is, Kenley Jansen, excuse me, is a great person to fill that. Top three total saves, call it. Cody? I mean, Charlie nailed it, right? Uh, This was a huge issue that we had in the team last year. It really set the tone to our entire season. You know, we were in a great position to win a bunch of games at the beginning of the season, set the tone for, you know, potentially get some momentum, get on a roll, and we were just blowing saves left and right, and it was unbelievable. You know, the team wasn't obviously great last year, um, and you know, little did we know how bad it was going to be at the beginning, but, um, you know, we, we caught lightning in a bottle with Whitlock at the back end of the bullpen in, in 21. And then, you know, we tried to stretch him out to a starter and I was screaming to the clouds, keep this guy in the bullpen. You know, had we won those five to eight games at the beginning of the season, who knows what that season looks like. And just to have a guy that you have confidence in knows, you know, what the moment is going to be like, has pitched in high level situations, is that closer type player, I'm just, I'm just thrilled. I'm so nice to not have to to worry about that aspect of of the equation. I actually, I've given Bloom a lot of praise for this bullpen, and most of those moves were early on, and I didn't really get jaded until later on when you know starting pitching didn't materialize like I had hoped, and you know I was hoping for more than Justin Turner, and I've already made my points about. Yoshida, but I really like the bullpen signings. And if you would have 
if you would have asked me to put a percentage on Hein Bloom going out and getting Kenley Jansen, I would have laughed my rear end off and gave you a single digit number because there's no precedent of Hein Bloom ever spending serious money on a relief pitcher. It, Tampa never does, and he hadn't done it in in the last two or three years that that Bloom has been here. Also, most notably, nobody's really done it. I I didn't I don't have Keith Folk's numbers up. I, he might have got a sizable contract for whatever would have been uh, the case for 0405, but uh, certainly not you know to the level of um, Kenley Jansen money. Jonathan Papelbon was a homegrown talent, uh, you know, so we weren't really going out and paying for a player there. We did trade for Craig Kimbrell and his arbitration numbers got high towards the end. So I guess, but he, again, was not a free agent. This is the first free agent the Red Sox have unloaded the Brinks truck for and um, brought in, you know, a top level closer and Jansen as Charlie said, led, uh, you know, MLB and saves uh, last season. So um, I like it. Uh, my only concern with Jansen, and I, I think this has been a concern, you know, as Charlie kind of also underscored his whole career, has an issue of, uh, you know, heart trouble. So he did miss two weeks last year um, and came back after the Pitchers have to be on the injured list for 15 days. That was all he was on there for. So, um, you know, hopefully nothing worse than that uh, this year. Did he, he signed a two-year deal, right? Am I mistaken on that? It is a two-year deal. Yeah, yeah, it was a two-year deal. Um, and this is something that wasn't, um, it, this isn't something that just popped up last year. This is something that ha- happened over a du- like over 10 years ago. And he was diagnosed with um, an irregular heartbeat. Um, and uh, they, they were talking about it. He missed a, a little bit of time for that. They put him on medicine. Uh, and then last year, or no, no, it wasn't last year. I think it was like, it was before COVID actually. I think it was like three years ago. Um, he ended up having a heart procedure done. And then um, he, he's had like moments where he's had irregular heartbeats. And last year there was another incident where he, he had another one, but this is not something that just came out of nowhere. Like this is something that if you end up adding Kenley Jansen to your team, you have to know that this is a part of the package. Like this is someone who could potentially miss some time because of a health problem. Um, but the, the pros significantly far outweigh the cons. And as we've all agreed, Terry, you already mentioned it. You would have given a single-digit number that's less than one, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, that we would have had the stones to go out and get Canley Jansen. So the fact that we got Jansen is is great. I'm super happy. I'm super content. Um, I'm. Th- this is one of the areas where I'm actually excited. If we have a one- or a two-run lead, I'm feeling good. It, it doesn't have to be a oh thank God we have three run lead now. I'm I'm gonna be cool with a one a one or a two a twofer. All right, and finally, uh, my bold prediction. This is gonna piss some people off, and that's why we're saving it for last. Here we go. Michael Waka, who will potentially be the opening day starter. For the San Diego Padres, 
They snuck that signing in late. It's a weird signing. Four years potentially. I just it's a it's a very unusual looking contract, but an affordable one. My prediction is that Michael Waka will have more wins in 2023 than any single member of the Red Sox rotation. I think he'll win more games. I think he's coming off of a good year. They've got a good pitching coach out in who's going to be having a second year in San Diego. He comes from the uh, Indians system, Guardians, excuse me. Um, and I think he's going to have a ton of offense around him. They got a nice, shiny new shortstop named Xander Bogarts, in case anyone forgot. So once again, teammates with Xander Bogarts. And, uh, you know, Fernando Tatis will be back. I think he's going to have a ton of run support. That's a great ballpark for him, arguably better than Fenway. I think Michael Walker is going to win 15 plus, And I don't think, I don't think any Red Sox player likely will. So that's, that's where I, I just went there. I mean, how can you be mad at that? Like that's, that's saying, okay, cool. We drop Michael Walker on the Monstars and you know, he starts putting up good numbers. I mean, the San Diego Padres uh, is as big of a win now team as we've seen in major league baseball in, in years past. Right. I mean, they've got offense for days. I don't know why they only want to recruit shortstops, but um, you know, they've got a great bullpen. They've got other good starting pitching. Not that that really helps in, in the win column, but they're a much better constructed team than the Red Sox, unfortunately at this point in time, um, which is, you know, a really weird sentence for anybody in our lifetime to say, right. Hey, the Padres are better than the Red Sox. Uh, but, you know, I think he's going to get that lackey and that Porcello bump where, you know, his run support is somehow five, six runs. And so therefore his his win record looks a lot better than than what he's putting out on the field. Um, I, for one, don't think he's going to replicate the season that he had in Boston. I don't think his numbers are going to be uh, as as strong as they were, uh, you know, but it's hard for me to say that he's not going to have more wins than any any member of the Red Sox, because if I had to pick one side of that coin, Terry, I think I think you hit it on the head there by saying that he he uh, would lead the Red Sox staff and wins if you know you were able to trans transfer it like that. Uh, Michael Walker had a ridiculous year. He had a stupid good year, and he uh, only had a year that good once before in his career, and that was almost ten years prior as a member of the Cardinals. Most probably don't remember what Michael Walker signed for. It was four years, 25 or 26 million, but it's kind of like a ha ha on you deal because he's still getting his 16 million in the back end, whether it be, um, he has two, it's a, a club option, two years, it's 16 million annually. If he doesn't get it, he's still getting that 16 million one way or the other. He has the option of taking a three-year deal worth like $6 million annually, you're basically paying Michael Waka $24 million for four years. Is he worth $6 million a year? I would say so. The, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yes. Okay, cool. We're, yeah. So rhetorical, rhetorical question. He's absolutely worth $6 million. $6 million is more than – more is, is – for 11 wins, $6 million is great. It's I'm not going to Low risk. Low risk. 
no forget low risk it's no risk <laughs> yeah. it's none it's literally zero and the fact that we couldn't do something like that is insane it's gonna hurt to see him pitch um as a member of the padres he's probably gonna be a little bit messed up because we've seen some players go to san diego and not just pitchers there have been pitchers and hitters that have kind of gotten a little bit confused with san diego like Juan Soto, arguably the best player in all of baseball, could not get it figured out in San Diego. Some pitchers have gone out there and have just fallen apart. Blake Snell was a star in Tampa Bay. And then it was like my favorite quote. If you guys don't know it, I get to use it for the first time in a long time. Blake Snell in San Diego is like Bambi on ice. It's not a pretty sight. It doesn't look good. So if Michael Walker can't figure it out, yeah, he's probably going to end up getting paid $6 million a year for the next three years as even like a four or five option. But if Michael Walker ends up winning more than at least one of the starters that Cody had a hot take on, that's going to suck because if, if he wins more games than Chris Sale does, it's, it's going to hurt all around. It's going to hurt everywhere. And I, I really don't want that to be the case. Uh, just for comparison, I mean, 11 and 2 in 2022 with the Red Sox, a 3.32 ERA. I think he's going to have a 3 something ERA, you know, at Petco Park. Um, and like I say, he'll probably he'll have more wins. He'll probably obviously have more than two losses as well. But I just think it's going to be a pretty good year. And barring just a little bit better health, I think. That's going to be a guy we look back on saying we could have had him cheap. And at the end of last season, if I were to make a wager, I would have assumed Walker would have got the qualifying offer, not Avaldi. And Avaldi got it, and he's out with an oblique right now. So a guy that's just not healthy at all, I, I think that that deal is just going to blow up with Texas. He signed a two-year deal, I think, with the Rangers. Uh, so... We'll see how that goes. He might pitch more innings than Jake DeGrom, though. Nathan Avaldi, I'm talking about. But but I think the Waka deal was a very sneaky good signing uh, for the Padres. I'm surprised it took a team that long to sign him for that amount. I, w I feel like he could have helped so many pitching staffs out there. But... On that, we will wrap. We tentatively will be back on Thursday. That format will be another kind of fun one, so uh, be on the lookout for it. I uh, hope everybody had a good St. Patty's Day weekend. We got a couple of big games uh, remaining uh, in the WBC. Team America is now in the finals. They will play the winner of the Japan-Mexico uh, matchup. That matchup takes place on Monday, and I believe the finals uh, for the WBC will be on Tuesday. So a potentially exciting week ahead. Everyone, take care. <laughs>